to the Info Jabs with Pascal. I'm your host. Welcome, welcome. Today we have an episode that is really close to my heart. We are going to be talking about boundaries. The question that I have is why does it feel so wrong to have boundaries with loved ones? I guess it's taboo within our family systems. Let me pause and remind you to follow the page on Instagram, share the episodes, and now that I am on Apple Podcasts, uh, please rate the episodes because it helps with more exposure to the podcast, okay? All right. Over the years, I thought that I had worked, I thought I had gotten over the angst of saying no. Uh, for the most part, I feel like I did. Uh, but I had something happen not too long ago where a request was made and I can line up all the reasons, one, two, three, four, five, uh, for why I had to say no. And the response to my no should be to my core. So I it just made me question a lot, um, so many relationships, so many of my relationships, and I wanted to have a conversation about it. I want to credit Miss Jania Williams for this interview because she's the one who referred her friend to me. And I 100% wholeheartedly trust Miss Jania. So I also believe that I'm going to enjoy her friend as well. So the goal uh, at the end of this episode is for the listeners to walk away with a better understanding for why it's so hard to set boundaries, the root of the discomfort, and how we can proceed with establishing better boundaries. My guess is Jodine Seju Donatien, MD. F-A-A-F-P, a board-certified family physician specializing in geriatric medicine. She is the Associate Medical Director for Centerwell, Georgia, a subsidiary of Humana. She completed her undergraduate studies at the University of Miami and medical school at Morehouse School of Medicine. Yay! She has been practicing for over 18 years, and she continues to serve her community and those who have been historically disadvantaged. Dr. Seju Donatien is happily married to Dr. Jose Milto Donatien, an MD and board certified family physician and center medical director at Oak Street Health in Stone Mountain, Georgia. They share seven children and a granddaughter. She also has five siblings and 17 nieces and nephews. So that's a lot of no's and yes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> She's active in ministry through service on the health ministry and finance board at Delivery Church, where her parents pastor, as well as children's ministry at Good Samaritan Church. She enjoys walking, football, family, and serving her community. Welcome, Dr. Dejul. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> okay, let me ask this. This is not a part of the uh, interview, but do you enjoy watching football or do you engage in the sport? I enjoy watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I grew up in the age before women could actually play football. Now there are women playing. And if I were to turn the clock back 20 years, I would be playing football. Oh, wow. I did see someone from Jackson State. They have yes. their first female kicker. Yes. Several teams now, college level teams, have female players on their team. So I'm, okay. wa I'm watching for now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll get into it later. We'll see how my bones, if my bones agree with me. Uh, okay. So Dr. Seju, 
this interview is not tailored to anything medical, although that's your background, but in your personal life, you have planned, maybe I should call it a discipline to know when to say no, when to say yes, but still being loving and very gracious. What is your definition of having boundaries? So again, my medical background probably helps with the amount, the workload, the studying and everything that I had to do throughout my lifetime. Uh, for me, set up boundaries is creating that safe space where I can be my full authentic self. So mm-hmm. it's allowing, creating connections, relationships, and doing things that augment who I am. And I believe in doing that, I become a better person, everyone around me. So it's finding a way to be your best self. So the struggle for me was the fact that I feel guilty for having to say no. But when I really think about it, it's a way to protect not only myself, but also the relationship. Because if the rela- our relationship doesn't have boundaries, then there's no, no, no visible line where people know, okay, I can't cross this line or I can't, you know what I mean? And then now, because we don't have the line, Somebody ends up crossing a boundary and now we have conflict. I feel like boundaries is a way of maintaining some sort of understanding for how we are going to proceed in this relationship. It seems even weird to talk about having boundaries with friends or with family because it seems contrary to being loving. One definition of love is to sacrifice. Now there's a problem with me saying no, because it seems that I'm not willing to sacrifice something. I don't know. What do you think about that? Especially because I know that you have, your parents are pastors and I know that's, that could be very taxing on the family. How do you coincide um, or how do you reconcile sacrifice? I mean, do you understand my question? Like I do, I do, I do. So I want to go back to the importance of boundaries. One of the things that help, that helps establish boundaries is respect. It's the level of respect someone has for you is the degree that they're going to respect your boundaries. So um, you know, we we always look at respect as, as upward, you know, the older people or people who are more senior, they deserve respect. But I think it, it it's the full spectrum. Every human being deserves the same degree and level, level of respect. So I think that's one of the things that we want to focus on is how do you create that level of respect and give and get respect respect so that your yes is yes and your no is no and and that's honored now when it comes to dealing with loved ones and saying no and saying yes i look at it always as a, a cup you know if my cup is not full i have nothing to pour out to those around me and so in being my best self i have more to offer and i've been able to say hey you know today i'm tired I can't go out to my niece's game today because you can count on me to be there maybe next month. But today, I don't feel that I have the bandwidth to do that. And loved ones loving you, it goes both ways. You know, you want to sacrifice, but you have to also think about, is that person sacrificing for you? So Receiving your no or your boundary is a way that they show their love back to you. So we can always look at, oh, you're not loving me enough. But on the other hand, are you loving me to allow me to 
create that safe space to better myself, to improve myself, or even to heal myself. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's true. That's true. Now, what if these people have really sacrificed on your behalf? So, yeah, I, I had a note on that. Yeah, parents. Let's talk about parents. Let's talk about parenting. You know, that that that's really tough, especially culturally, depending on which culture you're coming from, what the expectations are. I look at it as parents or, or, or loved ones who sacrifice. They feel that they you belong to them, that everything that they poured in they should be getting that plus more back from you. So when a parent works three jobs, make sure you go to school, they, you know, stay up night, they know that you're going to be successful. They want you to be successful and you become successful. They're like, oh, all my hard work paid off. Now I'm waiting for, you know, Pascal or for Jodine to take care of me, support me. And, you know, because I did everything for them. That is their expectation And unfortunately, if we want to be emotionally healthy, it's not realistic. And letting them know, I love you. I will do what I can do within my limits. It is possible if you deliver that message with love and with respect. You'd be surprised how standing your ground and saying no, they actually end up respecting it because it's coming out of place of love. So yes, it's hard. <laughs> I have, and, and and to your point, I have parents that, you know, are pastoring. And so they expect me in the church to be involved in every ministry. No, I can't do this because my schedule does not permit it. I need to make sure I get my rest. I can't stay at the revival till midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I'm going to have to leave at this time. I can't be involved in every ministry, but I will be involved in what I can. And I'll do that to the best of my ability. So if you pick one thing and you do it well, you'd be surprised at the level of respect that you get, even if you can't do everything. Okay. You know what? Everything that you're saying sounds right. Even as you're saying this, I can feel my heart just sink because I'm just trying to see. You You know what's happening? Like I mentioned earlier, I'm realizing that I'm borderline a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And I thought that I had left that behind in my younger days. So man, it's hard. Sometimes I feel like it's it's appropriate to sacrifice financially, to be generous with your time. Sometimes it calls for that sacrifice because that's what the sacrifice is, to do something that is not within your comfort zone. It's hard. That's very hard. It's, the thing is, I, it's not hard. I don't find it hard. Anything done through love is not hard. It is a sacrifice. I look at it, I, you know, I'll just use the example of, of going to school, of becoming a doctor. I can say that it's hard, it's a sacrifice, but when you're going through it and you know what the end results are, being hard is is way at the back of, it's not something you focus on how difficult it is. You just figure out how am I gonna get through? It's the same thing with, with relationships and sacrificing your time with people. There, let's do let's an example. Okay, there's, doctor, there's a death in your family. You're going to have to, you know, there's going to be a set time where you have to make funeral preparations. You're going to have to do a lot of things. That's a set 
time limited amount of sacrifice, you're going to stay up late for the day. You're going to do everything. You're going to leave work. You know that is a set period of time that you're going to sacrifice. Somebody falls ill or sick, you are going to be at the hospital whatever time they call you three o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. That is okay. Now, when it becomes a problem is when they expect that level of sacrificial time and giving every day, every time, in every instance and circumstance. That's not sustainable. But if you show up at the times where you find you have the most impact, you will find you don't have to show up for everything else. That you show up when you feel your impact would be appreciated. So if that, I don't know if that helps to put in perspective that I'm not negating sacrificing, but it cannot be all you do all the time because it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. You know, I just thought about something that happened over a year ago, I think. I love everything marriage. So I remember uh, my friends are scattered all over. My family are scattered all over. So I remember doing a six-week meetup on Zoom for married couples. I sent it out to people who are I know who are married, and the response to it was very positive. So I expected that we were all going to be, and at that time, I was a newlywed, so I was really looking for help for us too, to mingle with other married couples. The week, um, or even the day, many people started to say, oh my gosh, we're with the baby. Somebody passed away you know what, although it was disappointing that I couldn't have them with me, it dawned on me, wait a minute, people have their own lives too. Outside of tonight, somebody is doing something that calls for their time. They have to be present. And I started looking at everything and even my life that way. What I'm doing is so important to me and I can envision the benefits for myself and for people who are involved. But this is not an emergency for these people. So if something is really, and I know that it was in love, they meant they wanted to come, but they just couldn't make it. Yes. So that it makes me think that I should, okay, here's the thing. That's very clear to me. It's not that it's hard to communicate to somebody else. It's just that sometimes the reception to what you're saying is not well received. So what do you think the root of the discomfort is? I can say at least three, but what what would you say the root of the discomfort to say no uh, stems? You you mentioned it early. Number one is being a people pleaser. You you want people to like you, especially when you've grown up or you've heard people say you're a nice person, you're a good person. You hear that compliment, and so you want to maintain that level of oh she's the best. She's you can count on her. She's dependable. So you want, you like that. You get a sense of satisfaction knowing that you're the best at <laughs> being present. So people pleasing. Uh, and number two is not knowing your own value, not giving yourself enough grace or value that you get to say no because that's what you want to do. So number one, people pleasing. Number two is not valuing yourself enough. And number three is you feel guilty, um, but it's, I would say number three is expectations, where you feel someone's expectations are. It always is going to go back to how do I view myself in this relationship? 
in every relationship, you should ensure be in that relationship where we're all equal. We all love each other. We all honor each other and we all respect each other. It has to be an equivalent level of love and respect and honor, I would say. So when you have to tell your parents, hey, I can't show up to this event, and then it's hard to leave it at that. You have to justify, you have to say that I'm going to give you a really good reason. But sometimes if you just say, hey, I can't be present at this event, I, I can't. And they may ask, and then you answer, and you tell the truth. I think being honest and facing that fear you end up overcoming it. I think one of the big things for me now that I moved to Georgia, it's been really hard on my family when, we, when I left Miami and came to Atlanta, is that I can, I'm, I can no longer be part of all of the functions. There was a church revival. My mom said, oh, I thought you were going to fly in and come. No, mommy, I made no promise of that. There's not going to be a surprise. <laughs> I could not do it. I show for funerals, but I, I can't show for parties and other things like that. But you also have children. You also have children. I do. You have a husband. So, and then you have your job. Yeah. And you know what? As I thought about that, as you mentioned that, I feel for the single women that don't have children. They don't get the same amount of freedom as married women with young children. Mm-hmm. Uh, those women are extended a lot more grace than a single woman that is like out of school, fully working and has, they are not allowed to say no. So they probably have a harder time than me, but you know, I have a bunch of kids so I can pick either one of them to be my way out. (laughs) But, um, but so that's one side. And then within my family, I remember, I'll quickly tell you, uh, we moved to Maine so my husband could do his residency program in 2010. Now, as soon as I got there, my kids were young, about 10 and four. And then I was pregnant with, no, 10, five, and then a two-year-old. But, and then I was pregnant. And I just got to a new city in Maine and didn't know the culture, cold, everything. And I decided I was going to put my kids in every single activity there was because, you know, I felt guilty that they, I pulled them from their family. They were in karate, taekwondo, dance, sports. And after that year, year. I said, oh, absolutely not. I'm going to die. And so (laughs) I learned in that one year, I'm a quick learner, that we're going to be selective and what we enroll in, and it better be your passion. You better love it, but we're not doing things just to be busy. So (laughs) no, that's true. That's true. Learned in raising children. (laughs) You know, as you're saying that, I feel when I was younger, I feel like my mom may have overextended herself because of me because whether or not she felt guilty because I came here unbeknownst to me that I was staying permanently. So I thought I was going to have this regular summer, regular time, and then I go back to school. From middle school to high school, I was reckless with her time. So uh. I was in the band. I would leave my shoes and then she would have to leave work to go to the house, get them and bring them to the school. Although the distance was short, but it was on multiple occasions. She didn't have boundaries with me or I didn't respect yeah. boundaries. I mean, there were no yeah, boundaries yeah. set. So yes. I thought that I could, but it's not her fault. That's not her right, fault. Right, right, right. Of course, of course. But, and you're not yours either. You're a child. Yeah. You know, but I'm thinking, you know what? It This happened because number one, I was reckless. You know, I was um, negligent with keeping up with my stuff. Yes. But yeah. uh, also because 
I don't know if she felt guilty. That's a good question. I need to ask her that. Whether or not yeah, she felt yeah, guilty yeah. every other week, I'm forgetting something and she has to go to the house to get it and bring it to school. That was, anyway. <laughs> so as you were talking, I'm thinking about um, the intention of the no. Sometimes I feel like I have to justify it because I want the person to know that my heart says yes. But these are the circumstances, especially if this person is very close to me. The, these are the circumstances that, that that are causing me to not be able to be present. And earlier you mentioned the the impact that this person has when they do show up. One of the couples who could not make it to that gathering showed up for an event I did in February. And when I say they showed up, they showed up with their baby and they mm. were offering to help. When I tell you if they did nothing for the next 10 years, I mean, it just spoke so much love to me that they showed up from out of town and then they were still asking if they can help. I mean, that just meant everything. So I do agree. It's the impact of your presence. When you do show up, you do something to pure excellence. And yes, I agree. Okay. So in your own life, did you have to work to that point or were you, did you always have boundaries from a very young age? At a very young age, I was very responsible so I definitely made sure, you know, respected others' boundaries. Uh, I was very, you know, organized and I wouldn't want my sisters or, you know, there's so many of us there. You can't have this. Like I I, I was organized. I type A personality, whatever you want to call it. But I, I started off really with a lot of boundaries when it comes to my space, my time. I was someone at a young age at nine o'clock, 9 p.m. I would go to bed on my own, not my parents making me go to sleep at nine o'clock. And, you know, people say, hey, let's hang. No, I'm not going to hang out. I'm not going to stay up late. So I was very structured. But the one thing that I had a hard time doing was knowing my limits and setting boundaries on my time and what I invested in. And that's what I learned over time. So I would want to do everything because I was good at it. I would want to be involved in every ministry, every activity the church was doing. In school, so because I was, I already was college bound. I want, I made sure I did band. I did every sport. I tried, I did all the clubs because I was doing it, you know, for my college application, <laughs> but I just did everything. So the hard part for me, and, it, and when I tell you that example about Maine, it was the same thing. I thought I could do everything. So I've learned how to set my own personal boundaries for my own mental health and my own health. And I think I've always done well with boundaries with others. So my, my loved ones, you know, they, I like to use the word respect and I go back to it because my siblings will say, oh, don't count Jody in. It's after nine o'clock. She's going to be in bed. So I, we won't even ask her, hey, we know that's not Jodine's style. So I I created and carried myself where my whatever I said goes. And so what I had to learn was how to protect myself from me. Hmm. So then what does a lack of boundary reflect? I guess personality has something to do with it too, because from a young age, you were almost born this way. <laughs> so... I think one of the biggest things that with a, a lack of boundaries is it goes to to self-esteem. It's someone that just needs to please, make people pleaser, but just someone that lacks 
self-esteem, their self-esteem is low. I won't say lack, their, their self-esteem is low. That That's a reflection of someone that doesn't have boundaries. I think it's someone that may uh, have some bitterness as well. You'd be surprised mm -hmm. that someone that's bitter is, is, is someone that um, doesn't have boundaries. Now, it could be in a, you know, someone who's unable to set boundaries and it also could be on the side of someone who violates other people's boundaries. I don't know which one you're talking about, the one that violates or the one that can't maintain. <laughs> can't maintain. <laughs> the other one is interesting too. <laughs> yeah, and 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 then it, it, it it's someone that doesn't have, I, I have a, a great colleague of mine, Dr. Shole Jose, that talks about um, self-compassion. It's about someone that doesn't have enough self-compassion that doesn't, I, I think it just goes like they don't value that their time matters. They yeah. don't value that their no matters, that their opinion matters. I think that that really is the crux of someone that finds it hard to set boundaries. And maybe some guilt, maybe some guilt. Um, I would say similar, maybe a little bit to your story. Um, my husband and I, we always talk about survivor's guilt. Uh, we talk about the immigrant tax. Like we kind of, you know, lump those together. When you have, you know, someone that came from Haiti and they made it here in America, so hard to say no to someone that's in a lower position. So there's that sense of, man, I, you know, I survived, I made it. How can I say no to this person? It's almost as if I think I'm better than them. So there's several layers to it, just depending on the interaction and, and the relationship. But I find, with, especially with the Haitian culture, for those that have come here and are successful, man, they cannot break that sense of, you know, responsibility and, and guilt when it comes to dealing with people on that back home. And, you know, I had to do a lot of self-reflection because it really, when I said it shook me to my core, it shook me because I was shocked at the response, but it caused me to sort of um, reassess why I feel this way. Why don't I feel like I should say no? Because I felt like I should have. I had to, but I feel like, Pascal, you should have made it work because then oh, that you should not have said no, that you should not have yeah. said no. Yeah. Why don't I feel like I deserve to be able to say no at some point? I don't think it's bitterness for me, but I'm thinking about the value aspect. Um, I feel like I value myself. I feel like I value my time, although my actions are, it doesn't really reflect that. So, um, man, that's just really difficult. You seem so comfortable to talk about it. And I think it's because you have had such a long a long history of keeping up with the same practices, going to sleep at a certain time. So everybody over time, they learn to respect it. I'm thinking also with me, it has something to do with generational expectation. Right. 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 So right. I got to the point where I had to speak to multiple family members and say, this is where I am. I'm one of the ones who get called whenever there's an emergency. You know, I want to be a blessing, but I yes. think I may have created a narrative that whenever anything and everywhere and with anyone, I'm a person to call and I'm like, man, I'm trying to establish myself too. And it's going to require me to say a lot of no's in order to face the plans that I have and so that we can build. I had to, at this age, come to that realization and 
you know, and I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel guilty for realizing mm -hmm. that so late with, I, I would say just to add on to what you've said, when you said, you know, I don't feel guilty about the age I found, but I, one of the things that I found is as I age was, I just don't have the bandwidth anymore. And it is because my roles have shifted my roles have changed. So I've come to realization, you know, at this later age, because this is what life has demanded of me mm -hmm. is that now as a wife and a mother, it's different than as a daughter or a granddaughter. You know, my roles and responsibilities have shifted. So I was never, you may have never been placed in a situation where you had to say yes or no. It was always going to be yes. Imagine being at home with your parents in the house. What are you going to say no to? Absolutely <laughs> nothing. <laughs> but, you know, because there really is nothing. They know your schedule. They know what, you know, what you can, you can and cannot do. But when you get married, you move out of the house and you have to tell them that, hey, we're going to my husband's family for the holidays. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, but again, at this age is when life's mm -hmm. challenges actually put you in that position. When I got married, I did have issues with boundaries even before I got married. But I do realize that as you make your boundaries known, and it's how you communicate them. Because I think to be fair to the people who have always expected you to do something because you have always done it, to all of a sudden switch and say, well, I can't. So I think it's uh, it's helpful to, that's what I had to do with my parents. And I need to explain why this can no longer happen. And I'm finding that my mom now is the one coming to my rescue whenever something is being asked of me. And so she understands my schedule, my workload. And, you know, and I may just really want to rest. So yes. she, I find that she's really a supporter and she hasn't been too bad, but it's the typical, it's the typical cultural expectation. So can you give me an example of a time where you had to set some boundaries and it wasn't well received? I would have to say the one of the hardest issues I had with boundaries was with my, my daughter's is not from my husband. So my daughter's father, I actually had my daughter before I got married. And so there was more of an open, a constant communication as we're raising a you know, co-parenting. And, and when I got married to a Haitian man from Haiti, mm -hmm. <laughs> I knew that there were going to have to be some boundaries <laughs> that have to be formed. Now, my daughter's father is more Americanized, so is used to that you know, co-parenting, we do things together, family. And my husband was told, didn't know what, what that was about. Uh, so that was one of the hardest things. It was, uh, it, it wasn't well received. So I had to create boundaries to let them know, hey, we're parenting our daughter. We're going to go according to this plan. Visitation will be this time and this time. Now, you know, you can't come into the house. You have to stay outside. Uh, it's not going to be all willy-nilly as you please. It's going to be according to a schedule. And it was, he didn't receive it very well. He he could not accept that he no longer had full access to communicate with me, to plan. And it created a lot of conflict between he and I. And unfortunately, my daughter was, you know, kind of felt caught in the middle. Mm -hmm. And what I ended up doing 
uh, when my daughter was about 10, 11 or 12, she had her own phone. I actually cut off complete communication with him, complete oh. communication with him. He would either communicate with my daughter or communicate with my husband. So my husband became the intermediary between us. And till now, and my daughter got married the other day. She's a grand, she's a mom now. And we have not communicated. We saw each other at the wedding, said hello. But any conversations had to be done by my husband because he just would not respect those boundaries. So I came up with a creative way to, my boundary is going to be my boundary, but I know we still have to communicate. So that was one of the tougher ones is how do you co-parent and still maintain that level of respect? But, you know, to your point, I just have been very skilled at, yep, this is what it's going to be and find a way to make what you're doing fit within my boundaries. Okay, so that was a good example. And when you have been um, doing something a certain way, when you try to change it, the changes are hard because yeah. there's lack of control that people feel that they don't have. And, you know, the reaction might not be, you know, pleasant. So the reason why I'm asking for these examples is because I know that some people can put themselves in those situations. So yes, do you yes. have now an example where you were able to set the boundaries and the results were satisfactory? I would say that that would be in my service in the church. I would say that being a part of different ministries in the church, um, I, you know, again, my my mom and dad pastor in the church for over 35 years. And, you know, the children, you know, pastor's kids are going to be in charge of everything. And then, you know, I was being pulled left and right and I was being stretched, stretched thin. And when I, you know, shared with them that, hey, you know, next year in the new year, I will, I can do children's ministry. I can do Sunday school. That's all I can do. I can't do a Bible study on Friday. I can't do two pressers on Tuesday. I, you can count on me on Sundays to run children's ministry. And so that you know them understanding the amount of responsibility I had, my schedule, my job, and all the demands on me, they understood. And if you don't say no, they're going to assume you can do it. So I was able to let them know, hey, this is what I know I can do. And when I my yes is yes, and my no is no, and you can count on me to do this well. So within my church community, they were able to accept me stepping back from a lot of the roles and a lot of the responsibilities. And then what I just picked a couple of things that I know that I could dedicate myself to. Okay. That's something that a lot of people can say amen to that. <laughs> um, <but laughs> speaking of the church, um, we know that sometimes religious settings that could be, because it sounds like a paradox to say no or to have boundaries um, especially when you've been an active member before, or you maybe to people, you have the capabilities and the time um, and yes. the heart to be involved and participate in everything. For someone who is struggling with understanding the spirituality, not so much the practical sense of this is my time, this is what, you know, as far as in the spiritual sense, how can it be helpful to say no? Um, even when we are called to love, to be of service to people, to do, you know, do life with people. 
When I think of spirituality, again, I'm I'm a Christian, I'm a believer in Christ. You know, our, our greatest example is Jesus and how Jesus did life. I often find people will say, what would Jesus do in every situation? How would he handle the situation? And they always look at the, you know, turn the other cheek. If they take your coat, you, you know, give them, you know, the rest of your shoes or your, what have you, the scripture states it. And so they always look at that side of, of Jesus. But what they don't mention is when, you know, Jesus is with, is with the disciples and then he, he goes away to a quiet place. He, he, he separates himself and goes up to the mountain to pray. And it's usually after he's had an intense healing praying ceremony and he's drained. He pulls away. He goes away to the garden. He refreshes himself. He, re, he, he creates his own time away, he goes into the garden. And so Jesus actually does it well where he gives of himself and then he pulls away. He finds time to fill his cup again. So in that sense, as a lover of Christ, as a believer, as someone that's spiritual, I expect that my fellow believer, my fellow spiritual person would have that same compassion and love for me versus just expecting to take, but were willing to give me that grace to heal. So I would just say, really look at what Jesus did <laughs> as an example of how to be all in and find time to fill your cup, have time to rejuvenate yourself. Mm -hmm. See, okay. So that was an excellent example, <laughs> by the way. So now when we are talking about the mental health aspect of having boundaries, I'm also in the mental health field, although I approach this situation with my heart. And I know, I think you, you approach it more logically and more, well, I'm not saying that you, you know, you do approach it with your heart too. It's just that I'm, I'm, I'm I approach it with all my emotions <laughs> uh, because I have not yet set the expectations for how I can give of myself when it comes to mental health. How can it be beneficial for people to have boundaries at work, in the church, within the family? You, you of course, are a mental health <laughs> professional here. <laughs> Just from my layperson's perspective, one of the mental health conditions or symptoms I see that's really tied with not saying boundaries is anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, more, you know, more than depression. I think anxiety is one is something that's really tied to not setting boundaries. It's that fear of what's going to happen if I say no. It's that constant sense of feeling like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm going to let someone down. This is not going to be, you know, this is not going to be good. And you know, get worked up and worried about it um, and, you know, very stressed out just to say no. Um, and so, you know, mental health is, is, is just part of overall health. And so if there are circumstances or situations that are creating that sense of, of dread, of anxiety, then it's really something to look at and say, how can I, you know, do this better? You know, but not having boundaries is, cre is allowing people to just come in and take, 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 and then I'm left with nothing. It is, I find, critical and crucial to have these boundaries. If, you know, mental health is, is multifactorial, but at least you know that you'll have that space and that time to seek help, to center, to breathe, to connect, to meditate, and to just 
have a mental health days and moments or times. So without the boundaries, you're going to not be well emotionally, mentally, and I would even say physically, you know, so I think they're, they're all tied. Um, and at work, oh my gosh, if <laughs> we have a burnout crisis in healthcare. Um, I am, I'm, a, I'm, I'm the medical director over 16, uh, uh, providers and every day I'm protecting them from burnout. I'm trying to identify anything that could be uh, a hindrance to them that can overwhelm them so that I can remove it because we are losing so many nurses, doctors from healthcare because they can't sustain anymore. So in my field of work, if we're not protected against burnout, you know, we're going to lose, we're going to lose everyone. And so what does that look like? Creating boundaries, giving them time, you know, patients are always going to be here, you know, and how do we negotiate the time? How do we not always say patients come first, patients come first Mm -hmm. at the expense of our providers, uh, of our clinicians, you know, without a healthy clinician, how are you going to have a healthy patient? So at least in my line of work, I am heavily focused on the well-being of my providers and helping them create boundaries. Like, no, we're not putting meetings on their schedule. They will have admin time. I need you to take your hour lunch, turn off the computer, go outside. I tell them when I'm at the office, in the office, like, please go outside for five minutes and get some sun. I need you to not look at your screen. I try to force them to, to like, I need you to be well. So that would be my <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I I agree. And I'm I just thought about a couple of examples as you were talking. And I think it can also link back to the the medical, um, the physical symptoms of you know, of uh, failing uh, failing to say no or set boundaries and overextending yourself. Because um, yes, I think I also agree it does trigger anxiety and everybody handles anxiety differently. My anxiety might be just that, you know, I feel anxious, but some people it shuts down a lot for them. And you would be the one to tell us exactly what are those physical symptoms? Because sometimes I find that when people are experiencing anxiety, you have other phenomena, you have other things going on in your body that makes it seem like you have this disease. Oh, and then you go on the internet and it tells you that you have diabetes, you know, like in the Yes. It stresses you even more. I'm only speaking yes. because I know firsthand. <laughs> when I was in high school, my senior year, I was doing every single thing. I was a leader in the band. I was a leader in JRTC. I was involved with clubs. I was doing, and I had at some point three different, they weren't, I'm not going to say that they were jobs. I had, I know I had two jobs at one point and I had something else that I was doing to earn income my senior year so I remember my major I was walking by and he said yeah she's just like butter she's spread so thin and to me it was such a oh that means that I'm I'm productive and I'm doing so much and it stems from my grandmother my grandma has my grandmother has always been busy my mom has always been busy I'm always busy and as you were talking I thought about two things that happened uh I remember when I was in grad school I, I'm a teacher, I'm a teacher, full-time teacher. So you know that we don't clock in and clock out, but at least right. most of us, we take the work <laughs> with us. Yes. And then I was in grad school. So now I'm doing my assignments and it was Super Bowl weekend. And someone asked for me to project, to do something to, uh, what is it? To stream 
the yeah. game for them and bring my, you know, figure out how to get mobile internet and whatever. And I remember telling myself, I have this many assignments. Is this wise for me to say yes? But of course I said yes. And I remember what happened the next morning. I was still at the place while I was helping stream. We were having connection issues. I had to figure that out. And then being on another device, doing my assignments as the game is going on. The next morning on my way to work, I don't really know what I was doing. I was looking for something uh, on the passenger seat on the floor. I don't know what I was doing. And I I guess I took my, my foot off the the brake and I hit the car in front of me. Mm. I remember it wasn't, it was a t- like tap. And yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking how, what am I thinking? Because obviously I was scattered. I was, I don't know what I was doing. I still don't know how this happened where I'm, I'm so not alert and I'm so not present that I hit somebody. So it could have been, it could have been worse. Could have hurt myself, damaged my car and hurt the other person. So to, in, in that instance, I think when you're, when you say no, I mean, it's, it bleeds into so many different situations. You don't need to be déplumé, you know, yeah. at, you know, because you say yes and you end up, you know, like you can't stop you like a runaway train. And the other example that I was saying that I was thinking about is when I went to the store, I went to, uh, I went to the grocery store, I looked down and I had two different pairs of shoes on. And I I know that this is, this, I'm not taking care of wow. myself. So when we talk about anxiety and when we talk about stress, this is a funny example, but sometimes it makes you, it can trigger other things that are there. And it seems irrational to work yourself so much and then to get yourself there. Because really, if I end up saying yes to everybody and I end up in a situation where I'm just just unwell, not well, I brought myself there, you yeah, know? Yeah. I brought myself I think what, um, I'm sorry, sorry, for sure. One of the things, uh, oh my gosh, this was over maybe 10, 12, 15 years ago. My husband was over at uh, University of Miami. He was doing volunteering so he can, you know, apply to residency. And there was this lady, Mrs. Green. She was working at a department at, um, at the hospital, volunteering. I mean, she was a nice little, plump little black American lady. She was busy. She was everything to everyone. I mean, she, she was busy. And he would compliment her, talk about her all the time like there's nobody like miss green and he actually jenny is kind of like her and he would i mean he would come on talking about miss green then not too long miss green got pneumonia miss green ended up in the icu and miss green died what yes from that moment anytime i am overdoing anything I never forget Ms. Green and to ask myself at what cost, because if she's running herself ragged, her immune system goes down to your point about stress. Mm-hmm. It decreases your immune system. So you can't fight off something that is simple as, as an ammonia. She was not a smoker or anything. She just had no more reserve. Yeah. So I think about her and this was 15 years ago. Every time I start to take on, think about taking on more than I can handle. I said, no, I'm not going to, you know, everyone brag about how, to your point, when you, when he said your major says, oh, she's like butter. 
no, it's not a compliment. No, thank you. I don't want that compliment. So, no, so that's to your true. point, that's a story that stays with me oh. about how amazing she was. And she's and she's no longer she's no longer with us. Wow. You know, that sums up everything. This is not too far from setting boundaries. It's yeah. not too far from setting boundaries with friends, with family. Um, and even at work, I don't think I have a problem at work. I mean, that that's never an issue for me. But I find that with generations, with even gender, how gender affects who is allowed to say no and who's not allowed to say no. Yes. I had a conversation with a jujitsu instructor and um, he had me read this book. I'll get the name of the book, but in this, there's a story in the book where it says that um, when a man says no, that's the end of the conversation. But when women say no, it's the beginning of a negotiation. So you have to now. Wow. Right. That isn't that powerful. That wow. Is, yeah, that's deep. Oh my gosh. That is deep. Jenna, I feel really, I feel. Wow. Uh, oh I, my gosh. That, that, like that, that, that's true. That, you know, I would like to tell you the name of the book uh, because it, I want the listeners to also, oh, that's going to bother me. <laughs> wow. Wow. What's the name of the book? Anyway, it's a, it's a fear, the gift of fear, the gift mm. of fear. Yes. So, write that down. right. And I, and I think about that, about our abilities to say no, uh, and who we're saying no to and so forth, so on and so forth. But you do live your life a certain way where it just becomes easier. It's the lines are extremely visible and very clear yeah. for everyone around you and including yourself, including yes. yourself to know what, where the boundaries, uh, what the boundaries are and um, how far you extend certain boundaries. So that was really good. I'm, I'm, I can't wait for, for this episode to come out because I think a lot of people could benefit from, um, oh, can you share before you go, what are some tips for people who are listening and are still questioning whether or not they can say no to this person. I can say no to that person, but not necessarily this person. The first thing that I, I want to say is ask yourself if this person that you're having conversation with, do they love you? Ask yourself, am I valued and loved by this person, be it a family member or a friend? Mm -hmm. After you do that assessment, the second thing you do is you go for it you say no. <laughs> right. uh, you, you, you just say no. Now in the beginning, I and then after you say no, you explain why. And the important thing about explaining why is how my yes would negatively impact me. Mm. Not what the situation is, but if I were to do this, I'm going to be so far back that I will not be able to mm. do this. That my yes is going to hurt me. In the explanation, in the understanding, you let them know that I'm not just, I don't have time for it, but I know you love me. You don't want me to be hurt. So you will honor me. And then the last thing is be consistent. Mm. Know what matters to you and be consistent about it. And so if you create your time to be, I, uh, my daughter's pediatrician said that 
at nine at eleven nine a.m. on Tuesdays. That from nine to ten, that is her time. That is set up for her. No one can get it, use that time for anything else. So that consistency will reap benefits. And so number one, identify and make sure you're doing this with people that love you. Mm-hmm. They're the only ones that deserve for you to be having this conversation. Do they love you? And second, let them know how the, the yes would hurt you. And that's why you say no. Um, and then be consistent in doing it. Mm. Uh, keyword love and yeah. another keyword conversation is the line of communication established where you feel like you are able to communicate that I, I just really can't and you will be understood and it will be respected. And I, I'll just add another thing. You want to ha- start having these conversations before you need to have them. Mm. That's another thing outside of the ask in your normal conversation with your loved ones, begin to plant that seed that, hey, I'm, I'm really overwhelmed in life. You know, I'm really going through a lot at work this time. I need some time. So begin letting them know where you are emotionally so that that no will fall on fertile ground. Mm, yeah, that's true. That's true. Dr. Seju, it seems like I just had an, I just had a conversation with someone who wrote a book about boundaries. <laughs> This was so good. This was really good. And um, I really appreciate your time and your perspective on this. And I'm going to need to listen to this again and continue to self-reflect on where I stand. (laughs) Boundaries. So thank you so much again. Uh, You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I truly appreciate it. I truly enjoyed this conversation. Oh, good, good. Thank you. Uh, So as much as it it does for us, for me, and for the listener, I I hope that it does also something for you. So thank you again. And everyone who is listening, even if you don't struggle with this, you know someone who struggles with setting boundaries, uh, do share this information. And I'm here learning right along with you. And as always, until next time, bye.